the picture if you know the scripture. And then there's other times there's a sudden moment. Healing is a, is a gradual process. The miracle happens instantaneously. In this room, there's going to be miracles that take place. And then there's going to be healings that's going to take place in this here. You can't mix up the two. Because healing takes time sometimes. But God has brought you to the house of God today. Not by accident. None of you are here by accident. You didn't. God actually brought you here today. Some of you may have not even been here for the past month. But God brought you back here for today. And this will be the setting and the beginning of a new day for you. Amen. Amen. We need the body of Christ. In this hour, God is stirring the body of Christ to greater things. God has plans for every one of our lives. The Word tells us, when a man's ways please the Lord, he even maketh his enemies to be at peace with him. The Lord is here to do a supernatural work. What you came here, maybe you came here just to hear a little sermonette or a little message or whatever. I'm here by the appointment of God. God brought me here. I didn't just show up up here just to, I, I know I'm a missionary, I'm trying to raise money, but I didn't come here just to raise money. I believe that we're here by divine appointment. To bring forth the word of the Lord. God has too much. I don't have time to just run across America. Just to be running across America. Because it's a fun thing to do. That's not what God has called me to do. He's called me to reach a nation. That has not heard the gospel yet. But they will hear. And believe in the one true God. Amen. Amen. If we could pray together, I want us to just open our hearts and our ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church in this hour. Lord Jesus, your word is already anointed. I pray, God, today, God, I speak against every resistance, human or demonic. In the name of Jesus, you must bow. In the name of Jesus, we release the miracles, the gifts of healing to flow through this place. God, every work that you want to do, let you do it, God. Lord, I give you liberty. I give you freedom to be as big and as large as you want to be. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I bind every spirit of fear. Confusion and doubt must leave. I pray for divine clarity in the house of prayer today. In the name of Jesus. We loose the presence of you, Jesus, to minister to your people. Let them hear your voice and not my voice. Lord, we humble ourselves today. In the name of Jesus, we submit ourselves to you. Let your word and your will be done. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You may be seated today. I said in Sunday school, there's two people in the world you can't trust. People you don't know and people you know. And those that were in Sunday school, you you heard a little bit about my story and about what God has done for me. Um, at, at 19 years old, I walked on playing basketball. Um, I tore my ACL in that season. Um, loved basketball. And um, it was a, it took away my life. My um, whole seven days a week, I'd be out on the court. Um, twenty twenty, the Lord spoke to me and said, "Son, I want you to start playing basketball again." And I thought, "That can't be God. Nothing spiritual can come out of basketball." That's what led me away from Christ the first time. And yet. God told me to start playing again. Um, 
So January of 2020, I walked out on the court, and um, there was a young man that walked out with his daughter, and they were watching me play. They were clapping and jumping up and down and screaming. I was just like, this is just weird. <laughs> just this white guy shooting a basketball. I mean, come on. There's nothing cool about that. Lord told me, go speak to this young man. And I immediately cast it off as just my humanity. And um, it was on a Sunday. And uh, I got in my car and God began to speak to me. He said, son, you missed it. And I began to weep and repent and say, God, I'm sorry, I missed it. If you'll give me one more chance, I'll meet and I'll talk to this guy. That was in January the, with COVID. Everything started shutting down. And finally, the gym opened up again in July, or sorry, June. I walk out on the court. Actually, that Sunday morning, I was preaching. And the Lord said, today is a day of divine appointments. Somebody's going to have a divine appointment. So I go back out on the court, and I'm shooting around. It's June in Fukuoka. There's very humid, about 90 five plus percent humidity, 140 degrees it seemed like. I was profusely sweating, stinky, nasty, gross. And lo and behold, the guy walks back in with his daughter. (laughs) And being the man of God that I am, once I repent of something, I'm trying to change. Repentance is not just about saying I'm sorry or begging God to forgive me. It's really about change. But it's more than just change because whenever you truly repent, it unlocks something in your life. Repentance is actually an unlocking because God has more for you. Once you get past that area that you're dealing with, you step into a new realm. So I walk up to this man, introduce myself, Hajimemashite. I just introduced myself in Japanese. So you should have responded. <laughs> so as I, uh, I introduced myself, he asked me what I did. And I said, I'm a minister and a pastor here in Fukuoka, Japan. He said, where is your church? I said, well, because of COVID, we're having church in our home. We usually have it at this community center. And he said, well... Can I come to church Sunday? <laughs> you got to understand, Japanese don't invite themselves to anywhere, especially to your home, because if a Japanese person ever invites you to their house, they don't really mean it. After the second or third time, they mean it. But this it was so crazy. So Sunday, Nagahori-san and his daughter come to church, we talk about going to Costco on Thursday. I'm just going to share you a few stories. So, But talking about basketball. How many guys like basketball? Yeah. So, so well, I like basketball. It's what I grew up liking. Anyway, um, so Nagahori-san, we're, uh, we're talking, and I said, we're going to go to Costco Thursday. He said, can me and my wife and little boy and little girl come? Sure, why not? Following Sunday, Nagahori-san and his family started coming to church. Began to come to church. God began to work in their life. And his job, he works with the military, or Japanese self-defense. It's not military, but it's the same thing. They're beginning to change that terminology. But anyway, um, pretty amazing just playing basketball. Next month, I go out on the court, and I begin to play basketball or just shoot around the basketball. There's several guys out there. Everybody's shooting balls, hitting each other. And Whenever I shoot a shot, somebody hits it, knocks it off, and I'm just like, guys, this is annoying. Got like five, seven guys out there shooting basketballs at the same time. It's just on a half court. It's just annoying. And so I'm, I look at one guy, and I say, can we just play together? Let's just play a game. He said, well, that's not Japanese culture. We just don't do that. And I said, well, globally, global culture, they do. Because in Japan, they don't play pickup ball with people they don't know. 
And so we started playing half court, and five on five half court was pretty crowded. And so I said, let's get these guys on the other team, the other end. They look like they're friends, so let's get them to play full court with us, and we can rotate teams. He said, okay, let's do it. So we got together, and so I'm sitting on the sideline. And the Lord speaks to me and says, as you change the culture on the court today, so shall you change the culture of a nation. As easy as that. It's simple. Just doing what the Lord says. It's not complicated. God doesn't speak in English or Japanese. He speaks in God talk. And sometimes it's that still small voice or that impression on your heart to do something. And you you may not understand it. In fact, the natural mind cannot receive the things of the Spirit. So if you can figure it out, you don't need God. So I challenge myself every day to be sensitive to the voice of God. Where is He moving? What is He doing? What is He wanting to do today? When you got up and got ready for church today, you may have brushed your teeth and combed your hair and you may have gotten ready, but you didn't know what God was going to do today. I already prayed for you today. Because I prayed, God, send whoever needs to be here, be here today. And those that shouldn't be here, let them stay at home. Let them sleep in. Let their alarm not go off. Whatever. I don't want to waste my time and I don't want to waste your time. God has a plan for your life today and many of you will leave here totally changed because you're not going back. That song said, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm not going back there. My past is my past. My future is right. God has called me. The days of church as normal is not here anymore. We know this. This is common sense. We've been through COVID already. But the reality is we can't settle down. Many times I go places and they're like, calm down, don't, don't go there. But they can't receive the word of the Lord. God is challenging us so I'm as the Lord spoke to me about the culture and the shift and how he was going to use us to be a change agent in the earth. I um, in July of last year, I went into the hospital for three weeks. I should have been in four weeks. I had a knee replacement, which in Japan, it's not like the U.S. You have the surgery and you go home the same day. But they put you in the hospital, do torture treatment. Six days a week. I mean, they flexed me, pulled me, tugged on my leg in ways that I didn't even know I could even contort. And for six days a week, and and during that time, because of COVID, my wife couldn't see me except for 20 minutes with a $60 COVID test. And we had to stand behind a, a plexiglass window. I felt like I was in prison. And yet we couldn't commu- we could communicate, but they were watching our every move. They wanted to make sure she didn't touch me. I mean, it was just a mess. So I got to spend every day in the hospital with a bunch of Japanese people, eating uh, a plate of food about like this big. I mean, I lost like fifteen pounds in three weeks because I was eating basically what they feed a, a baby or something. I mean, I. I I wanted two meals to make up for the difference because <laughs> I eat a lot. I love to eat. You can ask Pastor. <laughs> Amen. So I'm sitting here in the hospital every day. I had a doctor come in. He was not my doctor, but he came in before his shift and after his shift, and we would talk about the things of God. God was open in his heart. My primary doctor, we would talk about Jesus and the miracle worker and power of him. He would just listen. Be, and he would be totally intent. There was no resistance. See, Japanese people have no knowledge of God. 
their idea of Jesus as just some foreign God of America. I have no idea. And as I'm speaking to these doctors, this doctor and these nurses, they were just a captive audience. I would talk about Jesus to them in Japanese and God would move on me. The second day after my surgery, one of my friends that I played basketball with, God was a God connect. Um, I connected with a group of about 325 people that play basketball in Fukuoka. And every week, they, 25 people were selected to play, and they allowed me to play every single week. So my friend Oshima uh, come to the door of my hospital room and said, what are you doing in here? I said, my knee was replaced. I said, Zanen, so sad, terrible. Um, and uh, so we began to talk, and uh, we said, okay, tomorrow we're going to go out to the veranda or open courtyard, beautiful courtyard, kind of like a garden area where we could sit and talk. Everybody, all the patients could go out there at one time. And uh, as I go out in my wheelchair, um, I roll out, and a young lady pulls up near me, and I just, the Lord speaks to me, says, introduce yourself to her. So I introduce myself to her. And then she introduces herself and she begins to pour her life out to me right there. She begins to tell me she's a track star at her high school. She um, tore, uh, she hyperextended her knee and had to have surgery. And uh, she was the captain of her team. And uh, you could just tell she was depressed. And the Lord said, as I began to speak to her, just open myself just to talk to her. And out comes my friend Oshima. And we're three talking about these things. And then it's a few days later. It's a Wednesday night. And it's Bible study night. And as a pastor, you can't call in sick or dead. It's all Zoom at this time. Because we not only pastor in Fukuoka, but we pastor in Oita, Hiroshima. These are all long distances apart. So everybody coming together Every week is impossible. So anyway, I I, skip, I decided the Lord speaks to me, says, skip service. You've already got somebody speaking tonight. And so I did. And so I went out and I began to tell Oshima-san, uh, no, yeah, Oshima-san about the miracle of deliverance and forgiveness. And I talked to Oshima-san. I said, you know, instead of cutting people off whenever they offend you or hurt you, you need to learn to forgive. Urushi, forgive. We need to forgive people and not cut them off. We need to, it's Japanese culture. If you, if you get offended with somebody, just cut them off. Just find somebody else. Don't. Relationships are only surface. So I'm speaking to, to Oshima about this, and out comes the young lady again. And I talk about the deliverance of, from alcoholism and suicide. You see, because my family was inconsistent in the body of Christ, there were some things in my areas of my life that needed healing, but instead of trying to deal with the struggles and the pain, I just went to alcohol. I was drinking about two liters a day for about five years. I was suicidal. I couldn't hardly look at myself in the mirror because of the shame that I had from my past. I talked about the rejection, the abuse that I faced as a young boy. And all my life, I thought there was no hope. And so alcohol became my drug of choice. I would drink every day. Came to a Friday night. I was 24 years old. I'm 47 now, so that's a long time ago. But if 24 years old, I had been making money, great money. I worked in IT worked for DirecTV as a quality analyst doing software testing, doing 
um, satellite communications. It was such a cool job. I had my own computer company. I was making money, but I was blowing it as fast as I got it. And so I'm drinking, and it's a Friday night. It was a week without pay, so I had no money to get alcohol. My friends, I called them and said, let's go party. They said, no, you drink all the alcohol away from us. And so I'm sitting there. Uh, it had been two days since I drank. It was like Wednesday whenever I drank last. And I was already having withdrawals, and I was beginning to lose my mind. And in that moment, I drove to the school where my teacher in fifth grade took me by the back of the neck, shook me violently and said, you're stupid. You'll never learn anything. You're an idiot. You'll be just like your welfare parents. You'll be a deadbeat. You'll be nothing in this world. And I laid, I sat there in the car just weeping because I could hear the violent words from that teacher Hearing my parents say, you call me stupid. My dad choking me out. The shame, the pain was deep. The enemy spoke to me, said, end your life today. I went to put my car into drive, to drive off into a ravine near the school. But there was a voice that thundered from the heavens and said, son, I have plans for your life. I've got a call on your life. He said, come home and I'll restore, I'll reinstate you. I drove home still battling in my mind. Nothing had happened yet. I just drove home other than what God spoke to me. He said he was going to send me. I forgot to say this. God said he also would reinstate me, but he also sent me the land of my calling. And um, I drove into the house and walked inside. My dad looked at me and said, I think we need to go to church tomorrow or Sunday. I said, absolutely. Walked onto my bedroom. Locked myself in, listened to Christian music all night and all day the next day, trying to get peace in my mind because I was losing it. Sunday night comes around, I get dressed, drive to church, lift my hands, begin to speak with other tongues. God instantly delivered me from suicide and alcohol. I didn't spend one day in AA, I didn't spend one day going to a counselor, I went to the mighty God and he was the one that delivered me. And that same Jesus Christ is here today. There's somebody here that's going to walk out of here completely delivered by the power of Jesus Christ. I'm not just telling you stories to just tell you stories. And as I told Oshima's son that day about what Jesus did to me, my friend, she came to me this young lady came to me with Oshima and we began to talk and I began to tell uh, Kotono about what Jesus did for me. And Kotono looked at me dead in the face and said, it's a miracle in perfect English. The Japanese word for miracle is kiseki. Miracle doesn't sound the same. If I said McDonald's, you probably would know what that means, right? If I said Makadunadado, you may know, you may not. Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> so anyway, I began to, so Kotono said that. As I'm getting ready to leave the story, I could go into many more details, but the story ends with me getting ready to get out of the hospital the day before. Kotono and I are out in that courtyard speaking, and I began to tell Kotono, you know, if your mom and dad ever get in a fight, you can pray to Jesus and he'll hear you. Kotono immediately said, do I have to be a Christian to pray? I said, no. 
Jesus hears everybody's prayer. And I said, you can pray to Jesus anytime, anywhere. If you have pain in your knee, you can heal it. If, you, if you're battling something in your mind, you can cry out to Jesus. And she said, okay. And then she said the most amazing words after that. Because as I was speaking to her about Jesus and the power of prayer, she began to yell out, Shinjimas, Shinjimas, Shinjimas. I believe, I believe, I believe. Amen. A young lady that had no clue about Jesus, had no knowledge of Jesus, said, I believe. I'm here to tell you, you, you're privileged to be here. Many of you have been in church a long time and you've heard about the cross and what Jesus purchased for us. Yet in our heart, we have unbelief because it's not happened in the way that we thought it should happen. We come to the altar and we beg God, please forgive me. God, please take this from me. God, God please, please, please. What would happen if we came to the altar today with an open heart, with an expectation, saying, God, I trust you. Your word has already promised me deliverance and healing. By his stripes, we were healed. It's already proven in the word. Simply have to trust and believe the word. This is not Les Clevenger's word. It is the word of God. Amen. I, I, there's so much that I could speak about. You know, Jesus only could, Jesus fed the hungry. Even his disciples and family many times doubted him. Even though they saw the mighty works and wonders that he did. I remember Jesus going into the into his hometown into Nazareth, and he began to speak the words. And then people began to say, "Nobody can do these things that we're seeing and we're hearing." Yet this guy right here, he's just the son of Joseph and Mary. He isn't his brothers and sisters here? They couldn't see. That He was the Savior of the whole world. The Messiah had come and visited them. And yet they could not believe Him. And Jesus could do no mighty works except to heal a few folks. But then there's other places like Capernaum where He walked in and all of them were healed. It was because of their reality of who Jesus was. What is your reality of who Jesus is? Sometimes we listen to the man of God and we think because he misses it, he's a false prophet. There's only one unflawed leader, and I said it a while ago. That's Jesus Christ. We can speak things. I have many. I remember Brother Willoughby. Some of you may know who he is. He was a missionary in Asia for many years. He got cancer and people prophesied that Brother Willoughby was going to live and not die. Yet he died. And this was many mighty men that said this. It doesn't make them less of a prophet. They were speaking in faith, believing God. But God chose to take him. People, even whenever Brother Doan died, there were people in the, in the wake, in the house, the body laid there, these people weeping and crying, saying, God, please raise him back to life. And God chose not to. How do you figure it out? I don't know. I don't know God's ways. Remember, his ways are not like our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. He's not a God that would lie. So we may not understand it. We may be going through circumstance or situation in our life that may be a storm and we're blinded by the storm because all we can see is the wind and the waves and the and the, the stuff coming in our face that we can't see. Jesus went into a storm in the middle of the night with His disciples. 
They were getting ready to go on the other side, but as they're in the middle of the storm, and this is Mark chapter 5 and 6, I'm just because of time, I'm not going to go through and read it. You can go read that on your own time. But as they're in this storm, they're going through it, and they walk up to Jesus, and Jesus questioned, why do you have unbelief, folks? He said, guys, we're going to make it. I have a destiny to fulfill. He had a destiny to go to the cross for you and me. But yet, whenever you're going through the storm, all you can see is the storm. And you may be inside the storm today, but I'm telling you, there's a bigger reason for this storm. Because there's a demoniac on the other side that's cutting himself. No man could bind him up. There's a person across the street that is bound up. That you have to go through the storm. Because without the storm and the brokenness in your life, you will have no ministry. Mm. Some of you think your life is over because of what you've been through. But I'm declaring today is a new day. The storm is going to leave. You're going to get beyond your storm. Because there's a demoniac. He's unclothed, running naked through the streets. But the Bible says, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and fell at his feet and worshipped him. 2,000 demons could not hold this man down. You may think your demons are holding you back. But I'm telling you, everyone in here is clothed and in your somewhat right mind. I'm not quite in my right mind yet. Thank God. <laughs> but this demoniac, he's cutting himself. You know, cutting was something not new. It happened in the Old Testament. It happened in the New Testament. It's happened for a long time. The enemy tries to destroy destiny of people. That's why he loves suicide the most. And the Japanese people are some of the most suicidal people in the world. Why would God send a suicidal kid to Japan? Amen. Because God delivered me. So now I can set them free. If you've never been delivered from something, it's difficult. God can do it, no doubt. But if you've been through it, your story has a lot more power. Some of you have been keeping your story secret. It's time to get out of the secret. Share your story. Five people a week, I guarantee you, Pastor, this church is not going to hold what God's going to do. You may be having to go back to Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening services. I don't know if you do or not. That's just, just a little point. But that demoniac ran and fell at the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says that he... Once he got delivered, he went around telling people of what Jesus did for him. And then they took Jesus out and said, get out of here, Jesus. They didn't want Jesus to stay around because lots more would have happened. Isn't it funny how the religious people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're so quick to get rid of Jesus. Because they couldn't, it, it messed up their tradition. God sent a missionary from Japan to tell you, I'm here to shake up some stuff. You can cast me out of this place. I don't care. But I pray to God that something that would be sown here would last. That whenever we leave here, that this church will explode with harvest and revival like it has never been before. Because there's somebody here. I can already tell you there's somebody here that God's delivered from some things. Man. My word. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for your word. Religious and critical people always reject and refuse the word of the Lord. Matthew 10.41 says, If you give a cup of water to a disciple, you receive a disciple's reward. And it also says the same about a prophet's reward. 
Sometimes we can't receive people because we perceive from the outside what they are. But God looks at the heart of a man. He knows what's inside that person. Maybe whenever you look in the mirror, all you see is the broken pieces of your life. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to take that that broken pieces and I'm going to put it together and I will make a beautiful mosaic that will reflect the light and the glory of the Lord around the world that you are in. The word of the Lord is strong and powerful. Truth sometimes hurts. I'm going to speak something now that some of you may not agree with, but I know it to be truth. Mental illness, anxiety, depression, and panic attacks are all ploys of the enemy to disable the body of Christ to walk in apostolic authority. The doctor will tell you you have mental illness. He will tell you you have panic attacks. Would you... I speak to you right now in the fear of God. These are all lies of the enemy. I had a prophet speak to me a few months ago. He said he went to a church pastor. And the pastor got up from the pulpit and said, God cannot heal mental illness. God forbid. I come against that lie in the name of Jesus. I send the blood to tormentors. Against the tormentors. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly. Your deliverance is here. And it's in Jesus. Counselors can't fix it. I believe in counseling. But counseling can't fix it. The real healing comes through Jesus Christ. Amen. yes, sometimes we need people to talk to. I get it. I don't just get up and go and go and go. I need counselors in my life. I need wisdom. But if my first person, I don't, if I go to somebody else first before going to Jesus, I tell the Japanese, whenever they come to me for counseling, I'm going to say, first, have you prayed about it? And what is Jesus saying about it? And then if they're like, well, I, uh, I was like, you need to pray. God will speak to you. He may tell you something you don't want to hear. He may tell you, get over yourself. Because <laughs> the thing is, the enemy causes us to turn inwardly. The answer is not inward. The moment we get outside of ourselves and we begin to realize that people are in worse shape than you and I, then we can help somebody. You and I's story is powerful. I, I, you know, you can look at me and I'm only a visitor. So if you guys, if I'm saying something that pastor is not preaching or believes in, just ignore me and just go on. But I believe pastor believes what I'm saying. I hope. (laughs) But I'm here today, gone tomorrow. I mean, that's not a big deal to me. I have nothing to lose but everything to gain. Jesus is going to use somebody in this hour. He uses you and me. Look at your neighbor and say, God's going to use you. God's going to use you. (laughs) Anyway, I wrote down these thoughts this morning. Everything the enemy uses is based upon fear. I battled fear for many years. Fear of heights. I could barely go to the second floor of a mall and look down. I hugged the wall. I was bound by fear of dying in my sleep. I feared my dad coming in and messing with me again. Mm. 
We can be in the church our whole life and not walk in freedom and liberty and joy that the Lord has promised us. Until your shame is lifted, you can't walk in that liberty and freedom. As long as you're looking at yourself, you'll never find that liberty. You don't have to beg God to forgive you. You don't have to beg God. God is standing here today. Standing here today. You don't have to wait to move into the realm that God is wanting to take you. My sister, today is a new day for you. You stepped up front and you believe God. Don't go back. I don't will not go back. But it's a daily walking with God. It's not a, you know, sometimes we get this idea like a far off. Like God is taking, I'm, I'm always looking so far ahead. But it's a day-to-day walk. Deliverance is a daily walk. I need to walk daily with God. And as God delivers me today, he'll de- I go tomorrow. God deliver me today. God deliver me tomorrow. It, it's so easy to get so focused, at, focused ahead that we miss the moment. We need to take time every day in that moment to make ourselves right with God. That's why daily prayer is necessary. Praying every day. Walking in the Spirit is a daily thing. Whenever my flesh starts rising up, it's time to hit my knees and say, God, i got to get this out of me. We move. We walk with God every day. We walk in the Spirit. It's a daily walk. Kotono, I was speaking about the young lady. She wound up coming to church right after she got out of the hospital. She lifted her hands, began to worship God. We've had a couple Trinitarian pastors come. In Japan, there's an 85-year-old man. It's a pastor in Okinawa. We were at a regional conference in September last year. He comes to me and asks me to lay hands on him. In Japan, an older man does not have a younger man lay his hands on him. As I laid my hands on that man, he began to shake under the power of God. God did a mighty work in this man's life. He's been connecting with our district superintendent in that region. Two weeks before we left Fukuoka, another Trinitarian pastor for over 60 years fought against the UPC. He began to speak against the apostolic message of Acts 2.38. He said, anybody that believes Acts 2.38 is a cult. Because every other church, every other religious church teaches only be baptized in titles and not in the name. And yet this man, he comes to me after church and said, I've never felt the power of God in Japan like he's felt it in our service. It wasn't because of Les Clevenger. It wasn't because of Laura Clevenger. It wasn't because of Masako Teshima. It was not because Dwayne Black. It was it was simply because Jesus was there. And he said, in my 60 years of ministry, I will no longer speak against this apostolic way because it is the only way. He told Sister Teshima a few weeks ago, he said, what your pastor told me about baptism in the name of Jesus is the only way they baptize in the whole book of Acts. He said he's not a liar. He's speaking the truth. And I'm going back to Fukuoka soon and very soon. And I'm going to baptize this man in the name of Jesus. He's already got the Holy Ghost. He's just like Saul. And Cornelius, they're good men. Saul wasn't quite a good man, but he was a murderer. But I guarantee you, Cornelius was a good man. The Bible says his prayers and his alms went up to the Lord. If you've not been baptized in the name of Jesus, I challenge you. Read the book of Acts. Everywhere it says to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Don't take my word for it. Go to the word yourself. 
Don't just let pastor tell you. I encourage you to go to the Word and study it. Don't just take somebody's word because they said it. And don't go based upon the Catholic tradition. That lie is from the pits of hell. Many people have not been baptized correctly because they didn't study the word for themselves. We need to study the word. Bible says study yourself approved. A study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What I'm speaking to you is truth. So read the word. Trust the word. God has a work he wants to do in your life. There are miracles to be done. As you know, we're here trying to raise money to get back to the field to do the work of God. Hiroshima is a three and a half hour drive from where we live. We drive up there. We preach the gospel. We drive back, having to spend the night because of ministry and then drive back. And it's, it's terror. It's, it's $200 almost in tolls back and forth, not including gas, hotel, everything. We're not budgeted for that as a missionary, but because of the call, We're going to do whatever it takes to sacrifice to reach the lost. We started in the Fukuoka Church in 2015. Within a year, the Lord told us to launch out into Hiroshima, city of 1.2 million people without an apostolic voice. We have 12 cities with over a million people in Japan. Eight of those cities don't even have an established church in it. We have a lot of work to do. And in my natural ability, I'm saying, this can't be done. But in the spirit, I hear God calling, saying, son, I'm going to send you. You're going to declare my name before people. And many shall come into the kingdom and they will hear the gospel of the kingdom for the very first time. We can come to church week after week after week and hear the gospel. What about the ones that have never heard? That's my responsibility to Japan. It's your responsibility to the place that God has sent you. If you can't speak across the aisle at the grocery store to somebody, don't try to go across the ocean. Because in America, I'm sowing many seeds. I could, you can follow every place we've been. And God has been using us in North America to declare the word of the Lord to North America. It made me sad. I was speaking to a pastor recently. He said, it's crazy that there are young people that come into the church for the very first time and have never heard about Jesus. They don't even know Jonah and the whale story. That blows my mind. That's not the America I grew up in. But after 17 years in Japan, we're kind of disconnected from North America. But God is sending us to North America to where he would have us go. And we can take a bullet train from Fukuoka to Hiroshima an hour and six minutes. One way, two hours and 12 minutes round trip. On a Sunday to preach the gospel. We can't drive it back and forth like that. We've only been able to try to go once a month. And whenever weather's bad because the mountains is impassable, we can't even get there. With the bullet train, we could still go. God is sending us. We're raising funds. That's one of our major projects. We're trying to raise funds to get by bullet train. One trip, round trip, is $200. It's expensive. Nothing in this world is cheap. But to preach this gospel to people that have never heard, that's what it's all about. It's not about a vacation. We would save hotel costs. We'd save toll costs. We would be able to do a mighty work of God and be there and then come home. God hasn't told us to transition and move there. I have a man named Shigekazu. He was an idol worshiper from Hiroshima, a business owner. His wife got in the church, received the Holy Ghost in our living room. She started attending Bible school. She began to talk to her husband about Jesus. He began to realize that he needed Jesus 
One Sunday I began to preach about Jesus being the only true God and that the idols of this world can do nothing for you. Shigekazu repented that day. He went home and began to throw away his idols. His son came to me the next month and said, Pastor, my dad is changing. There's something new going on with my dad. He has changed. Those gods in the toilet, the gods in the car, the God in the kitchen, he's throwing those away. He spent thousands and thousands of dollars on idols trying to bless his business. Just before we left, Shigekazu received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said, Pastor, I want to, I want to rent a building so we can start having church. So Shigekazu, I don't live here. He said, I know, but whenever God makes a way, you can come more often and we'll have church. I said, God, I got to go, but I'm not going to leave Fukuoka. The Lord never released me from Fukuoka too because Fukuoka has a population of 5.5 million people. It's a large city. It's the hub. And like I told Pastor last night, our vision is not to establish church buildings per se. We're establishing training centers. Because through Bible school and training, apostolic ministry training, we're training up workers. As I said, in Okinawa, we trained up 16 leaders and sent them out two by two to establish house churches. And the vision is we have to have strategic locations with training centers to prepare workers for the harvest. And so we not only, the bullet train, that's one of our projects to help with evangelism, but the other project is to help build churches. Instead, we call them training centers, but in our project form, you can't put training centers because that's kind of a generic phrase. You just don't know what it is. So in the sense, it's churches. So if the Lord would speak to you about helping us with these projects, please speak to your pastor. We also need monthly support. This keeps us on the field so that we can do the work of God. A monthly PIM runs about $50 a month. And I realize that's a lot of money for some folks. But if you want to support even $5 a month, Pastor, if this is okay, even $5 a month, $10 a month, $20 a month, 50 bucks a month. Just talk to pastor and say, hey, I want to help support the ministry to go forth in Japan. Because those, those monthly supports sustain us. That's how we live. That's how we eat. We can't work in the country. We have to work the field. Finances are always needed, no matter where you're at. Every one of us have needs. But I'm just presenting these things to you because some of you may be able to help. And a little bit. I'm not asking a lot. But the Lord knows what you can do. And every little bit counts. My wife shared a quote with me. It says, it's the little things that make the big things possible. Pretty amazing thought. Whenever we collectively come together, whenever we work together, greater things to be done. And as you sow seeds into Japan, I feel to say this, you sow seeds into fields that don't belong to you. God's going to bring you a harvest where you're at. You may, not, you may be seeking God to save your family if you sow a seed. Wow, I feel the Holy Ghost. If you sow a seed in Japan, God will reach back and say, you know that daughter, that son you've been praying for? They're coming into the kingdom. I don't know why. I've never said that, I think, from the pulpit. I just feel that unction of the Holy Ghost to say that to somebody. If we could stand today. Today is a day of deliverance and healing. 
whatever God does in your life today in this service, you need to go out and tell at least five people what Jesus did for you. Just not, don't limit it to five, but share your story, share your testimony with at least five people. Here in a moment, I'm going to ask you to come forward. This is to whosoever will. You don't have to do it. But if you want to leave here different, like I said, there's miracles and there's healing. Some of you, the process of healing has been a long time. God's going to bring to completion. And don't. there will be times that doubts will come to your mind. Remember, doubts are a temporary state of mind. Doubt only happens in just a moment. It's it's just like here, suddenly a thought comes to me. Well, Jesus didn't really heal you. No, he did. That's just a simple doubt. We all have moments of doubt. It's whenever we begin to entertain that doubt that it begins to build a stronghold and the enemy begins to build a wall between you and God. You will have moments of doubt. That's, that's, that's not going to be any question. But you need to go home after God's brought you through this today and write down what God did in your life. And as you, while it's still fresh, don't wait till tomorrow or next week. Even this evening, you need to write it down as soon as possible. Because whenever the enemy comes back and says, God didn't deliver you, sis. God didn't do the work in you. The moment he does that, you can go back to your notes and say, February 12th, 2023, 12.22 p.m., Jesus delivered me from suicide. Jesus delivered me from alcoholism. He delivered me from the shame of my abuse. You could go back and point it out and say, right here, this is where it happened. This altar is open today to whomsoever will. I'm not going to beg. You don't have to beg. And I don't want you to come up here begging God to forgive you or take it away. You don't have to beg God. God wants to do it. But you don't have to beg. In fact... If I could be so bold, those of you that are kneeling down, if you would stand up to your feet, if you'll stand up, your redemption draweth nigh. It's from heaven. Look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm going to say one more thing here, and I, I, I keep saying so much, but I got one more thing to say because I... I'm just keep getting things from the Lord, but whenever we see somebody come to the altar and start repenting, and we hear them saying, God, forgive me of this and forgive me of that, we're like trying to listen in, like, I wonder what brother did. I wonder what sister did. We need to change our view of repentance because repentance changes and unlocks things for us. Instead of looking at our brother and say, why is he in the altar? I wonder what he did. Instead of thinking that, why don't we just think, well, God, what is God doing in his life? What is God about to unlock in his life? Where is he going now? This could be the greatest evangelist this region has ever seen. Because whenever repentance, it opens a door to something new. God is wanting to bring you to a new place, sir. God is wanting to bring you to a new place, ma'am. The shame shall be lifted. I'm not just speaking words just to speak words. But I could hear the heavens speaking to this church. Some of you have been afraid to step out because you're wondering what people will think of you.
But I'm here to declare to you salvation is here. Healing is here. Deliverance is here. If we could just lift our hands and begin to worship the Lord. God, I thank you for your people right now. I thank you for these that have stepped out of the aisles, God, and made their way to the front out of their own free will. God, they're not looking to this preacher, God, for deliverance, but they're looking to you, Jesus. Lord, I pray right now upon the authority of your word and by the power that is only in your name, Jesus. I speak salvation. I speak deliverance. I speak healing in this place. I speak miracles in this atmosphere. God, from the back to the front, let your angels, God, I ask you to send your angels of healing begin to flow through this sanctuary. I thank you for that brother and that sister in the back row. God, that may not be able to make their way forward. Lord, I pray, God, right now that you visit them if they're not physically able to make a move. Get your eyes on Jesus, church. Get your eyes on Jesus, for your redemption draweth nigh. I speak it right now. I speak the anointing of God upon you. (laughs) 